So this morning we're talking about the justice of heaven. As David mentioned last week, that was going to be the sermon I preached, uh, that I was going to preach last week, um, but I got a week off. And, um, but uh, we're going to talk about the merciful justice of heaven. Uh, merciful justice is so much more than fairness and equality. As important as those things are, merciful justice is so much more, so much richer and deeper and more joyful. When a city is just, that means there's no more exploitation of the weak. There's no more manipulation. There's no more lies. There's no more crossing of boundaries. Merciful justice is fully restored relationships between groups, between people, between family members, between races, between God and man, between man and woman, uh, between nationalities that share a city. Um, Heaven is a mercifully just city where relationships are put right, where everything wrong between people groups and peoples is made right. And as we look at the vision for the heavenly city, the justice of heaven, um, it becomes clear to us, the more we dig in and actually get a vision for what heaven's like, that injustice is an infestation. Injustice is an infestation of God's good creation, of God's good city, of God's good relationships. Injustice is an infestation to cities and souls to nations and families, to churches and workplaces. Injustice is a gross infestation of something good. I don't know if any of you have dealt with, uh, with literal pests. If you've ever, ever had to deal with an infestation of your home, your apartment, um, the worst is bed bugs. You know, if you've ever had to deal with bed bugs, you know that they're uh, they're so stubborn, and they, they dig in, and they cause incredible, even psychological torment. And you kind of pick them up anywhere. Like, you go to a hotel, and like, it's a nice hotel, but all it takes is one little bed bug infestation, and then you are carrying it. They carry, they, you know, hitchhike on your suitcase, and you carry it into your bedroom, and then it's infested. Something good is infested with bed bugs. Or, or cockroaches. In our city, maybe some of you have a cockroach problem in your apartment, or you've dealt with that in the past. Or ants, you know, they're so small and easy to crush, but so hard to get rid of. (laughs) Or maybe you've dealt with, with, you know, mice, or maybe in in your alleyway, we have a rat issue in Chicago. Isn't it gross? Infestation? Infestation, it kind of drains your home of a sense of safety and well-being, uh, drains your resources. It might even grow, the network of, of, of pests might grow powerful in your home. It might become a large network. But in the end, that network is only an invasion of something good, and it needs to be removed. And that's a picture of what injustice does to our city. Injustice is an infestation, and at the heart of this infestation is a way of life called your life for mine. We've talked about this in the past, your life for mine. That is the basic orientation of injustice. 
I'm going to take something good from your life to, to, to benefit me. I'm going to take it. It's not going to be a, an ex, a fair exchange. It's not going to be a willing exchange. It's going to be a manipulative, controlling, your life for mine exchange where I'm going to benefit at your cost. We see this in our own city. This way of life, this way of thinking has infested our city. Let's take three examples. Number one, <clears throat> gun violence. Your life, from, I'm going to take your life I'm going to take some well-being from your life for some, maybe I want revenge, or maybe I want your, your uh, territory, but I'm going to take your life so that I can get something from you. That's infested the neighborhoods of our great city. This year alone, um, thousands of people have been shot by a gun. And over 500 people made in God's image have been killed from gun violence in 2016 in Chicago. That is an injustice in our city, and it's infested something good. Let's take sex trafficking as another example. Sex trafficking has infested Chicago's transportation centers. We have great transportation centers, great roads, a great airport, two great airports, um, bus stations, we have a public transportation system, and sex trafficking has, inve- has infested those transportation systems to make money. For the buying and selling of bodies for sex and pornography. In fact, uh, the FBI designated our city as a major center for child prostitution. That is an injustice, and it has infested our city with a your life for mine, your body for my profit way of thinking, way of operating. Uh, here's, a, here's a third way that injustice has infested our great city of Chicago, and that's just corruption of Chicago's power centers. Chicago is home to powerful groups that enrich and protect themselves at the expense of the poor, the marginalized, and the refugees. Now, that's different from honest business dealings. It's not wrong to make money. It's not wrong to do business. We'll talk about that next week. It's wrong to make money at the expense of the common good. And over and over again, what we've seen decade after decade, even before you or I were even born or even moved to this city or, or you know, began to live in this city, is that corruption of pow- Chicago's power centers and di- many different sectors have come at the expense of the common good. It, injustice has infested them. But you know what? Injustice can not only infest things on a large scale, it can infest our lives, our relationships. Just like ants and cockroaches and bedbugs, the infestation is an equal opportunity offender. And it can happen to anybody. It doesn't matter who you are. Injustice can infest a friendship, right? Your life for mine, thinking and behavior, have you ever experienced that? Have you ever seen that? One person in the friendship begins manipulating the other person to take advantage of their time, of their energy, of their money, of their body, of their talents. Because, right, you're my friend, right? Because you can do this for free. And then all of a sudden the relationship's not quite the same after that. Your life for mine has ruined many friendships and roommates. 
Injustice can infest a marriage or a family. When one person with power in the relationship leverages their power to get more of what they want at the expense of their spouse or their children or their parents, depending on who's in power at that time. And when they do, the family unit or the marriage begins to break down because of the injustice. Injustice is an infestation of your life for mine. And we rail against it, sometimes judgmentally and self-righteously, at the high levels. But you know as well as I do that any of us are, are vulnerable to this kind of infestation. It can infest our thought life. You might not be a sex trafficker, but if you're undressing somebody, whether in your mind or in your bedroom or apartment, that's an injustice. Your body for my pleasure. Do you ask for free work from your talented friends? Your artistic talents for my special project. And we're friends, so you're just going to give it to me. Um, are you generous financially? If someone were to do an audit of our checking accounts here, what would they find? Would they detect an infestation of your life for mine ways of thinking and operating in the world? If someone were to do an audit of our conversations, how much manipulation would, would, would they detect and pick up on so that we could get what we want from people in our life? Do you see, friends, why injustice, it's so hard to root out. Injustice is so hard to root out because, because it's an equal opportunity offender. It tempts us all. Just put up with this infestation. Just look the other way as the cockroaches scurry by because you're going to benefit from this way of life. Your life will be better off if you just let it go, if you just turn a blind eye, if you just take advantage just a little bit here, a little bit there, then you're going to be okay and you'll be set. Heaven has no infestation like that. It's perfect and beautiful and right and deeply good in heaven. We don't have to fear people taking advantage of us. We don't have to take advantage of other people to get by. What would it look like for the perfect and beautiful and good and right justice of heaven to root out injustice in our city, to root out injustice, in our, to displace injustice in our hearts and friendships, and marriages, and apartment buildings, and neighborhoods, and workplaces? What would it look like for injustice to be rooted out, to be exterminated once and for all? For God's perfect will to be done in Chicago as it is in heaven. No more your life for mine shenanigans in our relationships, in our networks, haunting us with manipulation. What would it be like for us to know justice, pure and good justice from our leaders? Justice in our homes and justice in the air. When will we finally breathe that sigh of relief? Oh my goodness, the pests are gone from my house forever. We got rid of the bed bugs, they're dead. That is what John the Revelator is picturing for us in Revelation 18 in the beginning of verse 19. He's picturing what it would be like for heaven to come down to earth, to fill it with glory, to send the infestation of injustice packing until the people rejoice. That's the vision John is giving us. 
He's giving us a picture of how Jesus will act, how Jesus has acted in the world to meet our deepest longings for justice. And he's going to show us two things. First of all, Jesus exterminating the infestation. He's going to exterminate the infestation. And then secondly, he's going to to complete his renovation. He's going to take a, a house that was once infested with injustice, and he's going to renovate it until it's perfect and pure and beautiful and rejoicing. More beautiful than you or I could ever imagine, have yet imagined to this date. So let's look at part one, the extermination. If you've ever had an infestation in your home, Um, You know that pests like to hide, don't they? They look for dark corners. Pests try to stay out of sight. And this is like the kind of the toughest part of getting rid of the pests is that they hide. They're so good at hiding. But if by chance you get up at 3 a.m. in the morning and you turn on the lights in the the kitchen and all of a sudden the cockroaches are like, "Eh." you know, it's like cockroaches everywhere. Like, where did they come from? They hide. They hide from you. And the best exterminators have a plan for rooting out and dealing with the pests no matter where they're hiding. They know know where they hide. They know how to find them. They know how to root them out. And John, in his vision of the city to come, sees an angel from heaven coming down to earth and shining a light so bright that the infestation is like fully exposed. We have reason to believe that this angel could also be a kind of a reference for Jesus. He doesn't come out and call him Jesus in Revelation. Sometimes the name of Jesus is hidden until you get a little bit further on, and then you realize it's the Son of Man who comes to earth shining. Whether it's Jesus or not, it is, a, is an emissary of the glory of heaven, shining a light into the city that John sees. Read with me in Revelation 18, verse 1. After this, and after this, he's referring to a description of the fall of injustice, and now it's going to be sung about, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. Verse 2, and he called out with a mighty voice, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. Babylon is John's name for the infestation of injustice. Babylon here is a a picture of every city, family, or soul that has given itself to injustice. Babylon's kind of this timeless network of pests that has forever plagued cities, families, and souls. It's the kind of the spirit of injustice that haunts our city and haunts every other city in the world. It's like the pest, it's like the bedbug network that won't die until the right exterminator comes along. And by the way, if you have bedbugs, don't spray them because they'll spread. You need someone who's going to bring the heat and turn up the heat in your house so they all die. <laughs> With his infernal presence. (laughs) Speaking metaphorically, of course. (laughs) Verse 2 talks about Babylon is this 
dwelling place for demons and a haunt for unclean spirits and unclean birds and detestable beasts. These verses are, they're, they're referencing Old Testament images of, of the residents of hell that scurry into earth looking for willing places that will host them. The demons of hell, their purpose is your life for mine. I'm here to kill and steal and destroy what is good and to take your life and to take the goodness and suck it dry because that is the purpose of hell. The hell is getting in between the marriage of heaven and earth, getting in between something good and scurrying in and, and, and creating a break and creating an infestation. And whenever we experience injustice on earth, it's a sign that there's an infestation from hell. It presents itself as glamorous and beautiful and pleasurable. But behind injustice is just foul, disgusting, beastly death. Without Jesus and his light, without his exposure, Babylon presents itself as a glitzy hotel where your every fantasy can come true. It presents itself as a house of power and pleasure that just kind of draws people in. Hey, come on in. Free food, free wine flowing, free sex, free power. All you got to do is come on in and, and, and enjoy it. But when the light of heaven shines on that, that building that's presenting itself as a glitzy hotel, all of a sudden we see that that was all a barrage. And Babylon is nothing more than just an old, abandoned building haunted by demons, smelling of foul, disgusting death, filled with sorcery and murder, built on the backs of the poor, condemned, ready for destruction. The wrecking ball hasn't yet hit it yet, but it's coming. And we need Jesus to expose injustice not as glamorous, not as glitzy, not as exciting. It wants, that's how it gets us. That's why we put up with it. We need the light of Christ to expose it as an old, condemned, dusty, foul-smelling building built on slaughter and manipulation. And when Jesus exposes Babylon in this way, John also sees that Babylon has infested every nation on earth. Babylon, this injustice has infiltrated politics, business, international trade, agriculture, and human labor. Verse 3 says this, for all nations. Now, this is an international multicultural enterprise here. This is an international ring. All nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, which here is a metaphor for injustice. And the kings of the earth, okay, the political leaders have committed immorality with her. They've, they've, they've colluded with injustice. And then the merchants, so people in the private sector, of the, uh, merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Later on in verse 11, it says, the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo, and this verse 12 lists all like good things in creation, like good creations of God. Gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, it's not wrong to trade in these things. It's wrong to trade in these things on the backs of the poor in a way that isn't, isn't equal. 
At the end of verse 12, it refers to, uh, sorry, at the end of verse 13, it refers to slaves. That is human souls. You see what the infestation of injustice is doing here? It's turning, it's turning souls into slaves. I mean, people made in the image of God and making slaves out of them. It's turning political leaders into pathetic lackeys. We see this happen all the time, don't we? It's turning merchants into cheaters. Merchants aren't made to be cheaters. But that's what injustice does. That's what Babylon does when it infests the souls of merchants and kings. Trade and public policy infested by injustice is wrong. And Jesus has come to expose it. You have all kinds of injustice hidden in plain sight. If we could only see what Jesus' glory would reveal, it would undo us. It's, it's kind of caked into how things operate in our world. And we need someone who knows where to find it, knows where to shine the light, and then knows how to kick it out, how to kick hell out of earth, how to kick Babylon out of Chicago. And he will. And people who are overinvested in Babylon will cry their eyes out. Verse 15 The merchants of these wares who gain wealth from her will stand off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, for in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. And the shipmasters and the seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea, stood far off and they cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like this great city? Oh, they had put their hopes that Babylon would work out. They had put all, they had completely invested. They were over leveraged in Babylon stock. And now Babylon stock is going up in flames. It's smoking, it's burning, it's going down because Jesus is removing it and destroying it. It is only those who cling to the last vestiges of hope in Babylon that will go down with it. The people who have bought Babylon's lie, they'll weep and they'll mourn. They bought the lie that if they just put up with the infestation, if they just look the other way, if they just kind of put up with it, they'd get paid. And things would work out. The rest of their, they would live happily ever after. That is Babylon's lie. You'll live happily ever after if you just cooperate with injustice. You'll have a glitzy, glamorous life if you just let the infestation continue in your life. But Jesus has come to exterminate it, to take it out forever, to remove it completely. Verse 21 says this. Look with me in verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and be found no more. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out with joy this time, not with tears. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. Imagine the great relief when Jesus finally exterminates injustice from our city forever, 
the great sigh of relief, the collective sigh of relief. There's smoke here, and it rises up forever, the text says. And this is not a sign that God likes to torment people. That's our caricature of who God is based on the worst leaders we know. That is not the uh, presentation of God's character that Revelation or the scriptures present. The smoke outside the city is a sign that injustice is fallen on itself and will be judged outside the city, kept outside the city. It will no longer infest anything anymore. The holiness and righteousness of God, who is a great and true and right judge, will keep injustice out. And it will be a great relief and a great joy. It will lead us to worship when we see it. It's a symbol that injustice has forever been kicked out of our city and souls no longer to return. Jesus has come to set things right from top to bottom, from public policy all the way down to private thoughts. And we look forward and hope to the day when he will do that forever, do that completely. But if we stubbornly cling to Babylon, if we put up with it, our fate will be tied up with hers. And that is why the book of Revelation was written. That's why the scriptures were written, to warn us from overinvesting in Babylon, to show us what the true future is. Because Jesus has come to restore us and to get the infestation out of our souls. And when we turn to him in repentance, it's like calling the exterminator. All right, I've tried my best. <laughs> to remove the, the infestation, and I, I can't deal with it anymore. I'm sick of it. Can you come and help? Can you bring whatever tools you need? Bring whatever light you need. Shine the light and get Babylon out, get injustice out of my life. I repent. This is what repentance is. This is coming to Jesus and saying, listen, I've gone the way of your life for mine. I've used people, manipulated people. I've tried to hide I've taken life rather than exchanged it, and I need you to root it out of my life. I need you to root it out of my business practices. I need you to root it out of my marriage. I need you to root it out of my uh, relationship with my roommates and friends. Get Babylon out of me and get heaven into me. That's the beginning of the city to come when we are able to pray that prayer. Repentance is our way out of Babylon and our way into heaven. Jesus exterminates, and then... He renovates. Jesus not only exterminates in, uh, injustice, he not only gets your life or mine stuff out of our life, he renovates. He renovates our souls and our, and our families and our workplaces and our cities from top to bottom until they reflect his beautiful ways, his merciful ways of justice. And the justice of Jesus, the justice of heaven, can be summed up in the phrase, my life for yours. My life for yours my resources, my good, my education for your benefit, for the benefit of the poor, the refugee, for the neighbor, for the spouse, for the children, for the congregation, my life for yours. It's an outpouring of the love of God in Christ. When he took on all of our injustice into himself, every unjust system, every infestation, took it into himself so that he could give us his righteousness, so that he could give us his mercy, so that he could give us the Holy Spirit, which lets us pour our life and resources out for the sake of others. That a just city is made up of people who want to do that. Do you want that? Heaven is made up of people who want that, who train for that, who give their lives 
for my life for yours. And it's available to everyone. Verse 5 of Revelation 19. So you're going to have to turn your page um, over. Revelation 19, 5. From the throne came a voice. And this is the voice of Jesus pointing to his father. Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Whether you whether you're, uh, consider yourself a leader or maybe you're a child, whether you have a lot of power or a little power, all creatures look at the father and praise him. Verse 6, then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of of mighty peals of thunder, crying out. This is all the voices of heaven, angels and archangels, the visible and invisible church, crying out together, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. The marriage of the Lamb. This is the uniting of, of the church and Jesus Christ, the Lamb who was slain. My life for yours Jesus' life for the church, and now he has the bride for which he died. And the end of seven, it says, his bride has made herself ready. And Jesus isn't the only one with righteousness. Now the church has righteousness too. Verse eight, it was granted her to clothe herself with the righteousness of Christ, with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. This is the loving acts of the church given as a gift from Jesus to the church. So not only does he take the injustice away, just, he kicks injustice, takes it out of our souls, he gives us the capacity to participate in righteous behavior with him, in my life for yours behavior with him. And it's so beautiful to see the church laying down its life for the sake of Christ in each other, in the poor, in the city, in our workplaces. What a beautiful thing it is to see Christians who have received Jesus' work of justice, who have internalized it, begin to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, live it out. This is the beginning. This is the foretaste of the city to come. This is the foretaste of the mercifully just ways of heaven. Do you want this? Do you want to participate in this? Do you want to know the joy of my life for yours behavior in your families and relationships and workplace and relationships with neighbors? Imagine every relationship you have put right by my life for yours behavior. Imagine surprising people by just blessing them with joy in the name of Jesus. What would it look like for justice to start here and then spread to souls, friendships, families, workplaces, and to the whole city? That's what Jesus calls us to even now. And Jesus has ideas, my friends. He knows your life better than you do. Why don't you just ask him this morning, Jesus, how do you want me to participate in your justice? Shine the light on ways that I'm participating with the infestation. Shine the light and show me ways that I can then begin to pour myself out. Give me your forgiveness and then give me your righteous deeds. Clothe me with your beautiful justice. This morning, we will have a time of confession. And I want to invite you in this time of confession to to, to confess the infestation, confess the injustice. And then at the table, come taste and see of Jesus's my life for yours, merciful justice. And then 
together will sing and will rejoice. As verse 7 says, let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And friends, together we will taste of the merciful justice of the city to come. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.